Welcome to the Hole in the Wall Business Podcast with Bill and James. I'm James Groves, and along with my business partner, Bill DeMint, we want to share our journey as small business owners with you. As owners of Hole in the Wall Drywall Repair, we will attempt to peel back the curtain of owning a small business in the trade service industry and talk about the many adventures of owning a small business. Good morning, Bill. Hey, you know what? I was just uh, listening to your intro there. Uh-huh. There are a lot of adventures in small business, aren't there? There, there is. We have we have several. Um, some we can air, some we can't, I guess. But how, many, how many times have we had the discussion that we don't know what we're doing today except going to the office and maybe put out some fires? Yeah, absolutely. And then the days just sort of unfold. I actually like the days when I don't have any meetings scheduled because I literally can have a day of just putting out fires and, such. and those those can tend to be your busiest days. They absolutely. I keep I keep busiest on those days for sure, for sure. Today's actually a fun day because um, we, our special guest today is Tony Busby, and he uh, he's a, he's been a buddy of mine for quite a while. So I'm actually pretty excited about this. So Tony Busby, welcome. <laughs> Tony and his wife own um, Great Florida Insurance, and uh, he's my insurance expert that I go to when I have all my insurance questions. They have two locations, one in. Uh, one in uh, Hunter's Creek, and the other one is Lake Nona, St. Cloud, kind of yeah. right on the border there. Excellent, excellent. So, well, listen, welcome, Tony. Thanks for coming today. No, thanks for there, having me. There, there are so many things that we can talk about. Obviously, we're going to talk about insurance. We're going to talk about all kinds of fun, you know, nonprofit stuff that we're into. But uh, let's just have our audience who doesn't know you already um, introduce yourself, kind of tell, you, tell us who you are and all the good news. All right. Well, for those who don't know me, my name is Tony Busby, and... Um, I, well, let's see, where do I start? Do you want the beginning, the middle, or the end? Hey, where, where are you from originally? <laughs> well, I grew up in a small village in western Massachusetts called Chester. Oh. And uh, they're literally, uh, at the last census I looked at, there was a thousand people. When I was growing up there, there was still only a thousand people. Yeah, that's the definition of a village. Right? Yeah. So, yeah, a- I mean, it. Tiny, tiny thing off Route 20. Yeah, there's Most, more There's more people in a Publix than than, than Yes, yeah. than in the entire town. So, but uh, I I grew up in Western Mass and um, had a had a pretty interesting and kind of rough childhood, um, which led me into joining the military yeah. and getting into service uh, as a teenager doing the split option program. Um, and then uh, I was medically... Retired from the military after six years of service due to combat injuries. Yeah. And um, then I got into trucking, and my wife talked me into selling my trucking company and opening up a couple insurance offices, mm-hmm. which was probably the best decision we ever made. Yeah. No more 2 a.m. phone calls. Yeah, nice. Right. With breakdowns or right. anything, so... That's cool. What's what's a split option? Split option. What that is is um, when I was 16 years old, I went down to uh, the recruiting office. I was living by myself in what you consider almost like a halfway house. I rented one studio, like, bedroom mm-hmm. that had a bed and a refrigerator in it. At 16? At, at 16. That's wow. all I had. I was in Rhode Island living in Woonsocket, um, armpit of the world. Yeah. Absolutely terrible place. Um, and I paid $75 a week. I went to school full time. I was working full time, um, living on my own, trying to make it. And I remember waking up one morning and going over to the shared bathroom because there was three floors and every floor had one bathroom that everybody shared. And it was a jail room style bathroom. Everything was stainless steel, including the mirror. So I remember looking at the mirror one day while I'm 
shave and getting ready to leave to walk the four miles to school. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just see like knuckle prints in the, in the mirror. And I'm like, man, I got, I got to get out of this situation. I don't want to end up like my family who unfortunately they were addicts and they're all, yeah. they're all gone now and mm-hmm. passed away due to their usage and other things. Right. Um, but I decided I wanted to join the military. So I go down to the recruiting office and sat down with the Marines because that was the first one I was interested in. Mm-hmm. And I remember sitting with the recruiter and he's like, you're only 16. I can't, I can't do nothing for you. He goes, but if you really want to change your lifestyle, let me introduce you to Staff Sergeant Joseph Fides with the United States Army. Mm-hmm. They've got something called the split option program. <clears throat> so I sit down with him and he's like, listen, you turn 17 in two weeks. Come back and see me when you're 17. We'll, I'll get you up to MEPS. You take the ASVAB. You do all the stuff that needs to do, and then they'll send you off to basic training. And once you're done with basic training, they're going to send you back so you can finish school because I was a junior at the time. Mm. <clears throat> so you come back. You finish your senior year. You go off to your AIT, which is advanced individual training, and then you go to your duty station. Well, the problem was is when I went to basic training, I lost my little studio thing. Uh-oh. I came back homeless with no place to go. So a buddy of mine that I had grown up with in Western Mass said, hey, come up here. You can sleep on my couch, you know, get re-enrolled in school in Massachusetts since you just did a, a year and a half in Rhode Island. Mm-hmm. So I go get back to Massachusetts and enroll in Pittsfield High School. <clears throat> and when I get there... They turn around and they're like, well, you don't have the curriculum required to graduate in Massachusetts, so you have to repeat the 11th grade, Ooh. Oh my which goodness. then created a problem with my military contract. Right. Yeah. So then come to find out, luckily, the dean of students, uh, John Bianchi, was a colonel who was a reservist, and he worked out of the Pentagon during the summers as a terrorist analyst, and he... Found out about my situation, talked to some higher-ups. They amended my contract to give me an extra year to graduate. Terrific. Because they, the oh, circumstances wow. were outside of my control. It's not like it was intentionally done. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> I do that. I complete my junior year for the second time. Mm-hmm. I go to AIT. I come back from AIT, and I have to do my senior year now. So in between doing my senior year, I get called for duty to get deployed to combat three times. Wow. Now, when you're, when you're working as a reservist or whatever, you have a duty to report if you're called in. So I show up to the duty station, report in, you know, private Busby, blah, blah, blah. They're like, okay. And I'm like, well, I'm non-deployable. And they're like, why is that? Because I'm still in high school. How did you do basic and AIT? And then I have to explain all of that. Um, and then they call Colonel Bianchi and they're like, they're like, okay, he is a student there full time. Okay, great. We'll ship him back. That happened three times. Oh my wow. God. So I probably should not have even graduated my senior year. I, I skidded by with C's across the board. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that I I attribute to Colonel Bianchi because he literally was like all these days that you missed are excused because you had no control of it. We've got copies of your military orders. Um, you know, everything that 
you've gone through, you know, get with the teachers, do extra credit work, whatever you have to do. Right. And, and that's what I did. And, um, so when I graduated, I was, uh, prepared to, uh, go full blown active duty because one of the amendments to my contract was, was that I ended up going reservist mm. instead of doing the split option and going right to an active duty station. They said, okay, well you got to go reserve mm. in order to keep your contract in and forfeit your, your sign on bonus. Mm. So I forfeited the sign on bonus of five grand, you know, and I went reserve. Well, when I graduate, I'm like, okay, let's get the application going so that I can go full time. And yeah. they're like, uh, you're on stop loss because your unit is slotted to potentially go to combat. So nobody can leave the unit. Wow. <laughs> so I get, you know, temporary duty orders to work full time out of the unit. So I do that doing maintenance, getting stuff ready, you know, getting gear ready, getting the weapons ready for shipping and everything to mm -hmm. go to combat. And then they turn around and say, okay, you guys are not going after, you know, a month or so. So then, you know, I'm like, okay, let's fill this stuff out. We fill it out two hours before we were to submit it. We get a phone call. Busby, you're going to uh Cherokee, Iowa to join up with the 42nd transportation company and you're going to combat. I was like, okay, wow, cool. Oh, wow. Let's go. <laughs> so, um, I got there just in time to, uh, participate. Um, after all the training and everything we had to do, uh, I actually fought in the siege of Fallujah in Oh four, mm. um, bringing in, uh, equipment barriers. I remember running into the city, uh, and we weren't even supposed to be there cause it was a, they called it a black ro black road, mm -hmm. which meant nobody was supposed to go down it. So we're driving down this road and we've got small arms fire bouncing off our trucks. Oh my goodness. Tanks literally, you know, tanks firing into the city of Fallujah, wow. you know, infantry pushing forward. Uh, the Marines there bringing in F-18s, mm. doing tactical bombardments. It, it was it was the craziest thing I had ever experienced. Wow. Um, but uh, you know, I mean. I always tell people my combat service was the best time of my life. And it was also the worst time of my life. Mm -hmm. Um, and, you know, and because of certain factors, I mean, I did get injured, mm -hmm. um, over there. I got blown off the back of a trailer with a Chinese rocket. Mm -hmm. Um, I heard and, that story. Wow. And, uh, fractured my spine in two places. And, uh, when I got up, the adrenaline was going so good that I, I walked to the med station. Oh, wow. And the medic looks at me, he goes, we don't have x-ray equipment here at Al-Assad. So, um, you're walking. I don't think you broke nothing. You probably sprained something. Here's some Ranger candy, which is 800 Motrins, mm. um, go back to work. So I didn't find out that I actually fractured my spine for like a year and a half almost. Wow. After I fractured, I fractured on mother's day of 2005. Mm. <laughs> Yikes. So, and then obviously I, I come home after my combat tour. Um, and I'm like, I don't want to stay in Massachusetts. I mm. need to get the hell out of here. Yeah. Sorry. It's all right. <laughs> I've, I've done pretty good so far. Yeah. I have a, habitual cursing habit. So <laughs> trying to keep it clean today. Um, so I get back and I want to move to 
Florida. I mean, I literally took a dart and threw it at a U.S. map blindfolded, and it landed over by the Virgin Islands. And I'm like, I am not an islander, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but Florida's really close. The weather's probably pretty close to what I was in, except the humidity is going to be higher. Because when I got back from combat, it was like 86 degrees, and I was shivering wearing pretty much a parka. Mm. Because over in Iraq, you're mm. talking 120, 130 degrees, and then you've got – you know, 150 pounds of gear you're carrying. Mm. So when you're wearing long sleeves all the time and you're just sweating it out. So when you go back to 87 degrees, you are freezing. I guess so. <laughs> mm-hmm. I've never experienced that heat. Oh, it's, it's, yikes. The uh, one thing I will say, the cool thing about um, going between Iraq and Kuwait, mm-hmm. there is literally an invisible barrier. If you're on the Iraqi side of the uh, border, it's a dry heat. As soon as you cross over into the Kuwaiti side of the border, it's so humid. You get out of your vehicle, you stand there for five minutes, and you look like you showered in your uh, in your vi- in your clothes. Wow. wow. Yeah. Yeah, it's really? crazy. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's that drastic of a difference between the two borders. That's crazy. So it's like that must be – I mean, we were just thinking – I mean, we don't know, but we figured mm-hmm. that's got to be how they figured out where the border was for these two countries. <laughs> so you figure Florida was the answer. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. I mean, that's what I kind of figured. And I came down here um, with my car at the time. Uh, I had a Subaru WRX. 2005 and uh, $500. And one of my army buddies had a condo that uh, he rented me for a little bit in uh, Melbourne. And that's how I ended up in Florida. Wow. So, wow. And so now, fast forward, you've got a great wife that I know and love dearly, Amy, and uh, some amazing kids. You got oh, yeah. A thriving business with great Florida insurance uh, with two locations. And that's kind of why I wanted you here in the first place. Because I, I, you know, we are involved in a, in a few of the other nonprofits that we that we work with together. Um, but there's a lot of things that we don't know as small business owners that we get into business and listen. I know how to repair windows, and you just start repairing windows, and then you realize that well, what if something happens? And so I wanted you to kind of maybe educate our audience on, as small business people, what are some of the considerations we need to think about? Maybe you can just give us some do's and don'ts and of, of the insurance world for, for business. Well, first off, if you think you don't need insurance, you definitely need insurance. Mm-hmm. No matter what you're doing, whether you're cotton lawn, doing barber shop, you know, anything. Right. Um, you know, and I always tell people, you know, if you're doing something that doesn't require vehicles, then you might not need to get a commercial auto policy. But mm-hmm. by far, you need a general liability policy, no matter what. And the industry standard is a million dollars per occurrence with a $2 million aggregate, mm-hmm. which means that they give you a $2 million limit for the entire year. So you can have claims up to $2 million. Once you hit that $2 million mark, you no longer have insurance. Okay, so that's your cap. That's your cap mm-hmm. for the year. Um, and they'll pay up to the $1 million per occurrence. Mm-hmm. Um, they also, standard is 5000 for medical. So if somebody falls, hurts himself, you know, $5,000 automatically will go to medical uh, for the individual who's injured. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, 100000 for, you know, your rental property wherever you're renting for the interior they it, those do not cover the exterior of the building if you own the building you need a whole separate policy right. 
or you get what they call a BOP, which is a business owner's policy, which can include your equipment, your um, limited cyber coverage, so that if somebody hacks into your system and takes social security numbers, if you store that information or payment information, you know, these general liability and BOP policies are there to protect you if you get sued because of these mm. occurrences. A lot of them will also give you X amount of dollars towards fixing that issue. Mm. Um, you know, they've also got policies for literally ransom policies. So if somebody hacks into your system and steals your system and says, we're not going to give it back to you unless you give us X amount of dollars, right. there's an insurance policy for that. So, so general liability, that'll cover. So I've got a lawn care service. I run over a rock. The rock breaks a window. Yeah, that would, that would cover that. Stuff yep. like that. Yep. Something like that. It would cover, um, you know, if you're on premises, they're on your building and they fall and break their hip, it will mm -hmm. cover that as well. Um, so when do we got to consider uh, like vehicles? So if you're, if I'm driving a truck with a trailer to the, the job site to mow someone's lawn, that's yeah. a work truck. You have to have commercial auto. And a lot of people are like, oh, well, I'm just going to use my personal auto. Well, the problem with trying to use your personal auto is if you get into an accident, even if it is not your fault, and pictures from the accident show the lawn care equipment, the insurance company is going to ask you why you're pulling that trailer. Mm -hmm. And if you tell them, I was on my way to a job site, guess what? Not yeah. They're not going to cover you because you're not using – you, they, they look at it as you technically lied on your application yep. for insurance because you're using the vehicle for something other than personal use. Yeah. You know, I had an insurance agent tell me one time, if you buy the wrong insurance, it's same as no insurance at all. That is very true. So oh. you want to make sure your people are knowledgeable um, that you're working with. Mm -hmm. I mean, I specialize in commercial insurance. I do have staff that specialize in homeowners. Mm -hmm. But um, when it comes to businesses, small businesses, that is my ambition. That is why I do it is because I want to protect people's American dreams mm -hmm. and allow them to make a better life for themselves and their family. Wow. So so that's general liability. Um and that's obviously some vehicle stuff. So like us, we've got multiple vehicles, so we've got to really have a consolidated plan. You have a very robust policy. And so when, when we have logos on the sides that all of a sudden we have our phone number and our name of our business, I, I almost feel that we're almost like the target. For, that's for exactly it, too. Um, you, do, you are targeted once you put a name on a vehicle. And if you're doing something like, um, like let's, let's say Mary Kay, the, mm -hmm. the makeup brand where people can do that on their own. Do not put placards on the side of your vehicle and use personal insurance. Because if you do and they see that placard on the side of the vehicle, you will not be covered. Wow. Now, there is some carriers that will allow you to have a personal auto policy and add business use to it. Progressive is actually one of those carriers. So for a lot of solopreneurs or um, people who don't have a, a corporation or LLC. Like a real estate agent maybe? Exactly. Mm. Somebody like a real estate agent, those type of people, I would take their vehicle and put it on a personal policy for them and then add the business use. Gotcha. Um, unless they want to go full-blown commercial policy because with a commercial policy, you can also list that you do use the vehicle for personal use as well. Mm. But um, make sure you have the right coverage. Um, and, you know, if you are doing a business, I recommend no less than 300000 combined single limit. 
because you are that target. If you're carrying state minimums, which required by the state is 10, 20, 10 for personal. Right. If you're carrying that, that's $10,000. That's nothing. For any injuries involved on top of your PIP, which is required by by state law, um, <clears throat> the PIP is your first 10000 Then you go into your bodily injury, which is another $10,000. And then you got 20000 That is the maximum they will pay out is 20000 per incident. Um, you know, so if two people are injured and each of them have $30,000 Oh, in yeah. in injuries, you know, after the hospital's done billing billing them, mm-hmm. you know, your PIP is going to co- cover the first ten. Then you're going to have another twenty ten per person. You're stuck still with a thirty thousand dollar bill. Right. Yes. Yeah, so no. It's, it's wise to 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 go up for sure. Right. So uh, you touched on it a little bit. Um, we just had we had Brian Awesome, who's a uh, an IT specialist, on a few a few weeks ago, and he scared the junk out of us, you know, with cyber hacks and and how to protect our passwords and make sure your 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 IT is robust and secure. Um, so tell me about the insurance for that. What you so is it's a separate insurance policy? It is a separate insurance policy, and a lot of people they get sticker shock with it. I mean, I just did a quote for one of my clients who has their general liability with me. They are a property management company. I'm not going to name by name because they haven't given me permission to. Mm-hmm. But I ran a quote for cyber insurance for them, and it came out to like two thousand dollars for the year. Mm-hmm. And you, I try to explain to the client, listen, you're looking at $2,000 that you're spending now, but if somebody steals or gets in and hacks into your system, you could potentially be a couple hundred thousand out in legal fees. Yeah. So Ooh. it's better to have that, spend that $2,000 to mm-hmm. get that million dollars worth of coverage because it's not a question of if nowadays, it's a question of when will it happen. Well, thieves are smarter now, right? So it used to be, you know, they had to worry about someone coming in, busting in your door and taking your stuff. Well, now they don't have to. They can literally just kind of come by you, scam your card, you know, with an RFID type device, mm-hmm. and they're they're into your system. Um, one of the reasons why we moved to our new um, internet system is because we were on a vulnerable system. And, and it was like, well, if someone got this one password, they could take over and do some damage. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In the ransomware side is what kind of got me into the, ooh, we need to, because I've now, you know, we they've had pipelines closed down. They've had all kinds of stuff happen because. Yeah, look what happened in the Carolinas <clears throat> last year. Mm-hmm. That right. was all due to ransomware. Right. So we've got, A, a we're protecting our, our passwords better now, but B, it, we're not on a system that allows that easily. But if it does happen, we need to have some coverage for that because we can't be on our own for that. That could, that could kill a company. Right. Sure. So, I mean. Every company, no matter how small or what you're doing, even the lawn care guy should have a cyber policy because do you take credit cards? Mm-hmm. Do you do you use PayPal or any of those systems? You better have some kind of uh, policy to protect you, and right. I highly suggest you get a good IT professional to help you as well. Yeah. What other type of things we need to kind of think about? I mean, um, Amy talks tells a story about there's a difference between GNL and something else. I forgot. Um, 
a different type of, of, of insurance. Maybe we maybe we're in a small business that doesn't do a lot of outside activity. We have a storefront or whatever. What kind of things we need to consider that way? Well, with that, you would have just what they call a basic general liability, which mm -hmm. covers the the building, which is that million dollars per incident, two million aggregate for the year, um, hundred thousand to cover inside the walls. Um, you know, you can also get property coverage involved in that, which typically once you once you get outside of the basic general liability, which is basically to cover you from lawsuits mm -hmm. and from injuries. Um, once you get outside that, you start going into what we call a BOP, which is a business owner's policy, right. or a CPP, a commercial package policy, okay. um, which will incorporate other policies in order to give you a broader line of coverage. Being one thing that a lot of people don't even think to look at, when you're talking to your insurance agent, find out what the exclusions are. Because I can tell you right now, a lot of policies, especially like, say, a restaurant, mm -hmm. they're going to automatically exclude fungi, bacteria, and virus. Those really? are automatically excluded really? because of the class code, especially after COVID happened. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if you don't purchase that coverage separately and then bacteria gets into the food, somebody gets sick, you may not be covered. Well. So make sure you know what your exclusions are on the policy. So you need to have an agent that really knows their stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. And if you're in Florida, call Tony Busby. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, great Florida. Um, interesting. The, uh, I, I know that you're working um, in Tallahassee with some, some trying to get some, um, some changes in the laws um, with when it comes in regards to homeowner insurance. Can we touch on that for a quick second? Yeah. Um, as a matter of fact, uh, I went to Tallahassee with FAVOB, the Florida Association of Veteran-Owned Businesses, because I sit as the vice chair for the Orlando chapter. We right. have five chapters throughout the state. And we did a Tallahassee trip um, to go talk to our legislatures about different um, things that veterans are having trouble with, um, pushing new agendas for making, streamlining the... Um, the veteran certification processes for for local local the, 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 the municipalities yep. and um, <clears throat> and the state. So while I was up there, obviously since I'm a business owner and I work in the insurance industry, I also spoke about the homeowners crisis that we have going on now. Mm. Um, you know, I actually had a great carrier that I wrote a ton of business with the first quarter of this year. They have already shut down in the state of Florida and said we cannot accept any more business because we're already maxed out on oh. our what we could pay out if a catastrophic Something. event happened. So, and I also got into kind of a debate with the Speaker of the House, <laughs> mm -hmm. which was um, kind of interesting. It was all very polite, and everybody was shaking hands at the end of everything, but. I turn around and I'm like, he's talking about how citizens insurance, which is state backed, is the last option. And I'm like, wait a second, it hasn't been the last option for several years now because everybody is 20, 30, 40% more expensive. And, you know, last year alone, we had 12 homeowners carriers go completely insolvent. And what that means is they had events where they had so many claims that they paid out 
all the money they had and they didn't have enough money to cover future claims. So the state comes in, takes over, says, nope, you're insolvent. You can't do business in Florida no more. And then people who had those policies, if you have a claim that arises after that happens and you were covered in the time period, mm-hmm. you then have to depend on the state's um, – basically what we would call the insurance slush fund where every insurance carrier is required to pay a percentage of the premium into this fund for the event. If a company goes insolvent, that money can be used to cover some of the claims that come after that company has become insolvent. Everybody pays into it. Um, So, and the, the sad part is, is most of this was created by a lot of the fly-by-night roofing guys. Mm-hmm. Um, now, it's not all roofing guys, so don't take me out of context right. because there are reputable companies who've been around for 20, 30, 40 years, even five years, who do a great job. They don't try to pull it over <laughs> on, the, uh, yeah. on the homeowner, but – we we went through a suffrage in the industry where AOBs, yeah. which is an assignment of benefits letter, which if somebody comes to your house, knocks on your door and says, hey, please sign this so I can inspect your roof and I can get you a free roof from your insurance company, yeah. that is all red flags because as soon as you sign that paper, mm-hmm. that paper is actually the AOB, the assignment of benefits. It then allows that contracting company to make a claim against your insurance. And there have been companies that pop up. They're around for three months, collect all this money, and then they're gone. And mm-hmm. they don't even do the job. So is that law... Tony, is that law still in place? Is that still active, the AOB? The the AOBs are still there, but what the legislative process did um, during last year's special session, they turned around and created a um, like a caveat to the AOB stating that now people can say, whoa, 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 whoa that's not what I wanted to do. I'm canceling this AOB. Mm. So it gave some protection back to the homeowner who mm-hmm. – may not know about these problems or issues. Yeah, I know among homeowners, there's a consensus that the the uh, Florida uh, homeowners insurance is a mess. I'm curious if you see that improving in the coming years. It will improve, but it is going to take a lot of time. Um, you know, there's been so much money, you know, it, to 2020, 16 and a half billion dollars was paid just in legal fees. Wow. Legal fees only. That's not replacing one tile. That's not replacing one shingle. That's that's just going to the attorneys, um, a lot of the big billboard guys mm-hmm. who are like, hey, Dan Newland got me X amount of dollars. Yeah. You know, th- th- it's, it's not the best situation. Um, and they also turned around and tried to put uh, some restrictions on the roofers, how they couldn't advertise, you know, we can get you a free roof. But then the Supreme Court of Florida came back and said, no, actually, you can't have that law in place like that because you're now hindering their freedom of speech, their First Amendment right. Interesting. So um, the special session did do some things. Like, for instance, now, if your roof is 10 years or older, it's automatically goes to actual cash value. Yeah. So your roof up to 10 years is full replacement. Full replacement. Mm-hmm. Once it gets to the 10 year mark, 
let's say I've got a 20 year roof and I'm 18 years into it. I got two years of life left in it. If a hurricane comes through and wipes out my roof, they're only going to give me enough money for that last two, two years. years. And then the rest will have to come out of my pocket because I would have had to replace it anyways. And that's the way it should have been from day one. Mm. Um, because I, at the end of the day, like I replaced my roof myself. It cost me $15,500 to replace the roof on my house. Right. The same roof, three houses down, one of these contractors went, and after they got done with their quote, they submitted it to the insurance company, it was like thirty five grand. And the insurance company denies the claim, obviously, because they're like, that's yep. way overpriced. That's right. that's way out of the ballpark. This is what it should cost. And they say, the contractor looks at them and says, oh, we're suing you. And then they assume, and then it gets into legal legal battles. And by the time everything's said and done, a fifteen thousand dollar roof now costs between sixty and eighty thousand oh, dollars. Wow. Which is, and, and everybody's like, "Oh, it's just the insurance companies taking money from the people," and they just don't. That's not it at all. Um, like State Farm, you know, I, I their windshield replacement ninety eight percent in the state of Florida. Because Florida has a policy that if your windshield is cracked or broken, the insurance company has to pay for the full replacement cost of mm -hmm. it with no deductible because it is considered safety equipment on the vehicle. Now, what people don't understand is, yes, you may not be paying that out of pocket, but if you get your windshield replaced, it's considered a comprehensive claim and it does go against you. So the next time your insurance comes up, it's probably going to be a little higher because you claimed on the windshield. Yeah. And, you know, companies like SafeLight are notorious for taking that $500 windshield and charging the insurance company close to $8,000 oh, per windshield. Really? Yes. And, the, the, and, I, and this was – a lot of this came out while I was having this debate with the Speaker of the House of Representatives of Florida. Right. A couple weeks ago, mm -hmm. and he was very knowledgeable. I was really impressed. Um, he educated me on a couple things that I didn't know. Like I like before uh, before twenty twenty, you know, two thousand eighteen. It was only two point nine billion mm. that had went to legal fees. And then when he goes, "Oh no, we got the twenty twenty assessment, and it was sixteen and a half billion. That's a big increase. That's a large jump. That's yeah. a huge jump." Yeah, I also think that the insurance companies aren't aren't uh, innocent in this. I believe that when we were doing our restoration work, we saw a lot of inappropriate things happening. Homeowners being declined essential items. Yeah, unfairly. <clears throat> Very unfairly. And and I will admit that I've seen some of that as well. Mm -hmm. Um but I mean and and I'm a big proponent for my client. If yeah. if it's a if it's a valid claim, you need to be paid for it. Yeah. But if you have an issue like polybutylene pipes and you know you have polybutylene pipes, which were were outlawed back in the late nineties, early two thousands, yep. you need to repipe your house. I mean, it's yeah. to the point now where if you have polybutylene, nobody no will one. insure you, yeah, not true. even citizens. It's yeah. true. They make you repipe the entire house. Yeah. Yeah, it's difficult because when you're, you you pay thousands of dollars into the insurance, and then when you have a claim, they deny you. It gets it gets. Um, I've got a lot of friends in the insurance in the uh, restoration world, and um, we struggled with like we when we were doing restoration, we wouldn't even file claims. We would only work with the homeowner because the insurance companies would come in and take the software that they created, the ExactMate software, which is owned by the insurance companies, the pricing that they put in there, and we would use their software and submit a bill. And then they would say, well, that bill is too high. And they would just 
they'd go and start redlining it out. And yep. so the, and for, for emergency work, that work's already done. We've already outlined thousands of dollars in work, and then they want to cut our bill in half just because of the, the, their algorithm. So I, I, I definitely think that the homeowners need to be smart about it. Um, I personally can see both sides of the story a little bit. Um, and I've seen, we work with a lot of roofers, and so we've seen some some good ones. And Yeah, the, there's definitely so some ones. really good ones. Like mm-hmm. the company I used, they were fabulous. Yeah. They came in, they had my roof done in 48 hours. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was incredible. As soon as, as, soon as the check cleared, it was done. Yeah. Wow. Um, you know, but then you've got the other guys who, one of my neighbors, one of those fly-by-night guys knocked on his door, says, hey, you know, sign this. I can get your free roof. That was almost four years ago. They took $40,000 from the insurance company and never did the work. Oh, my So goodness. now the guy has a $40,000 claim against him, in, which will follow him for 10 years. In a bad roof. In a bad roof. And now he has to come up with, out of pocket to <laughs> do a roof. Do do a new roof. His own roof, sure. Yeah. So wow, that's amazing. All right, Tony. Is there any other things that we need to be scared? I mean, worried about I mean, <laughs> that we need to think about for small business owners? Well, the small business owners, solopreneurs, um, you know, the, make sure that if a lot of companies like uh, Cartier. Or Next Insurance will offer those guys um, hired or non-owned coverage. So if you have an employee that uses their vehicle to go run a couple errands for the business, mm-hmm. go pick up. You have a personal assistant. They're going to pick up your dry cleaning. They're going to do this or that. You can actually add that coverage onto that GL. And if you do, you just have to make sure you get a copy of their policy to make sure that they have the proper limits for your rider in your or endorsement in your mm-hmm. policy to kick in. Wow. So, <clears throat> so the while a few a few weeks ago we actually had a PEO in here um, with CodeVantage, and and we use a PEO because we have lots of employees and we had some workers' comp issues earlier. But if you've got one or two employees, you don't qualify for that. No, you got to have three. Mm -hmm. Um, Otherwise, if you don't have three, the owner should always get themselves work comp exempt. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, um, I charge $200 to do work comp exemption for for companies. Mm. Um, You know, if you're in the construction area or not, you know, it's the same process. So I just go ahead and do it because I know how to operate the state. state sites. And then I also, because I'm so big into trucking and that is actually one of my main, you know, things. I also focus on doing department of transportation filings. I will do people's DOTs for them. I will Mm. set up their companies, get their EIN numbers for them, do all their filings for them. I've had a bunch of people who are running interstate who are now only going to operate in the state of Florida. So I've been doing a bunch of what they call rescind letters for the uh, MCs. Mm -hmm. They keep the DOT, but the MC goes away. And that way they're not required to have that $750,000 of insurance for commercial auto because they're leaving the state. If you're not leaving the state, then you can have as little as $100,000, which I would still suggest no less than $300,000, but – you know, yeah. Do you dive into workers' comp at all? I do do some workers' comp. Yeah. Um, I've got a couple of companies that I do it for, um, but a lot of the trucking, it's very hard. So I send them to a uh, company that does their payroll and their work comp. Yeah, called Southeast. They're nice. out of the Tampa area. I have a great relationship with them. They've 
done fabulous for a lot of my clients. Excellent, excellent. Well, cool. Well, so I'm I'm excited to learn more about the insurance stuff. But one of the things we, you know, you and I do on the side um, that on the wall we sponsor and we support Faybob. We're trustees we of Faybob. Yep. Um, and obviously, with your military background and uh, uh, your service, uh, you are, have a really close relationship with lots of nonprofits. Let's just take a second to talk about some of that, that work you guys are doing. Well, I mean, we've already kind of discussed I do a lot with Favob. Um, I am the sitting vice chair um, for the Orlando chapter. We have five chapters throughout the state. Um, and you don't have to be a veteran to be a member of Favop. You can be what we call a Patriot member. Yeah, that's what we are. Because there's a lot of guys that that are members or, and gals that are members who, for one reason or another, didn't qualify for military service. But their grandfather or their father or somebody close to them served, so they still want to support the veterans. And what we try to do, which is primarily our primary focus is to fight for veteran-owned business, small business, disabled veteran-owned business, um, friendly legislation well, to, um, you know, help get, you know, those businesses state-awarded contracts. Right. Um, and then, you know, our secondary mission is connecting all these veterans together. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, Brevard County, our Space Coast chapter, mm-hmm. uh, Last year, they they between themselves they passed back and forth over a million dollars in business. Wow! Just because they're members of Favob, they know that they're going to be responsible and responsive, and they give each other you know business back and forth. Yeah. You know, if I can't help you, you know, I'm not a I'm not a drywall guy. So mm-hmm. you know, if I can't do your drywall, I can help with your insurance, but I'm going to send you a hole in the wall mm-hmm. because. One, you're a Favob member. Two, you're my friend. Yeah. You know. Um, we're, we're pretty good at it sometimes. Oh, God. I, I can't rave enough about you guys. Mm-hmm. You know, and I tell I tell everybody when they talk. And I'm like, dude, I had hole in the wall come in. I My kids had a uh, toilet backup upstairs. And they came in. They took care of my ceiling. They did everything. They cleaned it up. And, I mean, your guy was even nice enough to help me finish hanging a chandelier that I was having an issue with mm-hmm. because it was near the workspace. He goes, Oh, just here it's, it's two bolts here. Yeah. And he helped me out. And you know, you guys are super clean, professional. Your guys look professional, clean, tight, Shucks. you know, so tender. Oh yeah. I think we've been into Tony's house. I think we've been into Tony's house more when he's not there than when he is there. <laughs> That's true. I mean, I've pretty much given you a key to my house. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah, where's the key to that liquor cabinet at though? You couldn't find that. That's open. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Oh man, that is awesome. And so I know you do a little bit of work with Camaraderie Foundation yep. too, right? We, yeah. Um I'm probably not gonna do it this year, but last year I uh was part of their mentorship program. Mm. Um, you know, it, camaraderie is a great foundation because they will help not just, you know, honorably discharge veterans, but they will also help a veteran who may have been dishonorably discharged because a lot of times the PTSD, mm-hmm. the TBI, which is a traumatic brain injury, I suffer from both. Those, a lot of times, you if you're not well medicated or gone through treatment for it, I had mood swings. Yeah, that's you. I was off the handle, like one minute I'd be happy. The next minute I was like a crazy person, Mm -hmm. you know, until the VA worked with me, got me on proper meds. 
But, you know, I also had, you know, other issues and camaraderie helped step in and yeah. help me with some therapy because I couldn't get it through the VA at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, not because I'm not entitled to it, but because the VA was so backlogged. Right. So they were a great resource. One of the things I love about camaraderie is that they not only help the vet, but sometimes transitioning back from combat or from overseas and you're, you come back home after six months or longer, and your wife and kids... They, they don't have, know you anymore. They have to live a life without <laughs> yeah. you. And so reassimilating back into that yeah. world can be difficult. And so camaraderie not only deals with... A lot of the things for vets are just vets only. I'm just going to work yeah. with the vets. Camaraderie will help. And they got a network all over the country oh, yeah. where they will help the families help transition back in when that comes to it. I, I, I love that. We, we don't do a lot with camaraderie yet, but we're, I think this year we're going to ramp up a little bit. Yeah, I mean, camaraderie is is one of the best programs that yeah. I have had the pleasure of working with when yeah. it comes to assisting veterans and their families. Mm-hmm. Um, one other big nonprofit that I do a lot of work with mm-hmm. uh, and sit on their board of directors is A Hero for Kids. And the mission behind that is children's literacy. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't tell a lot of people, but I'm about to tell like a lot of people that I actually could not read until I was in the eighth grade. Oh, wow. Um, I was one of those kids that they just pushed through because they had the memorization. It was, there was no phonographics or any of that. They had gotten rid of that. And they're like, oh, if you read a word seven times and spell seven times, you should remember it. Yeah. I didn't, I, I, my brain would not function like that. So in the, in the sixth and seventh grade, I got put in a special class Mm. because they were trying phonics again. And by the time I was done with eighth grade, I could read at a college level. Now that is so close, near and dear to myself yeah. is the fact that they focus primarily on literacy for kids. Mm. You know, John Kalish is a great guy. He dresses as Batman and hands books to children, you know, at schools, different events. They do toy drives for Christmas, which is super important to me because I was also one of those kids who Santa may not have brought me anything one mm-hmm. year. So, you know. Yeah. Super important to me, the the work that they do. I'm honored to work with them. Um, we do their gala every year. Uh, it was in October. I think it's being moved to January. We had to move to January last year due to COVID. And um, sorry, Khan is in the background. Yeah, we have a guest we haven't introduced yet. Uh-huh. Yeah, Khan, my uh, service dog in training. Mm-hmm. Um so, so John does he just he dresses like Batman. He straight up dresses straight like the Cape Crusader himself. Yeah. Because, you know, if you or I give a kid a book, mm-hmm. do they care? No. They're like, oh, okay. some dude just gave me a book. <laughs> but if Batman <laughs> gives that kid a book, That's oh it. my God, I got this book from Batman. <laughs> and he talks like Batman. He talks like this. <clears throat> yeah, he does. So I mean, it's it's just it's an incredible organization to work with. Um you know, Thanksgiving, you know, I usually, you know, personally put about $500 into that and mm. we get, you know, meals for families, for underprivileged kids who couldn't afford it. Mm. Cause I was one of those kids. My, my parents, I was, grew up very poor and it wasn't because my father didn't make great money. He made great money in the time uh, as a paper mill worker wow. in Massachusetts. The, his issue was he liked the booger sugar. Yeah. So, <clears throat> you know. I love that. <laughs> All right. Well, listen, let's wrap it up. Tony, tell the world how 
they can get hold of you um, if they want to read, learn more about the nonprofit stuff or especially the insurance stuff? Well, there's multiple ways to get a hold of me. Um, you can call my office line, which is 877 292 2240. You can email me at Tony, that's T O N Y, B is in boy, at greatflorida.com. All spelled out. You can email me. Um, you know, you can look me up on uh, lakenona.greatflorida.com, hunterscreek.greatflorida.com, and you can get either of our offices. Awesome. You can call either office, and I can get the phone because our phone systems are integrated along with all of our computer systems. So if, you were, if you're working with the other office and you need assistance and they're not available, I can help you. Awesome. And then I'll put all that in the show notes too. So. They'll be there for people to see forever. Yeah. Hey, awesome. thanks for stopping thanks for in today, by. man. No, I, I appreciate it. it. So much fun. Everyone, thank you for listening. It's been another great podcast. We'd like to thank you for listening to the Hole in the Wall Business Podcast with Bill and James. We'd love for you to join our Facebook group and keep the conversation going. If you'd like to learn more about us and our business, check us out at holeinthewall.com. If you'd like to learn more about how to start a Hole in the Wall franchise, go to Hole in the Wall Franchising dot com.